Hello. Welcome to Threadings, the newsletter and the podcast, where we discuss Black love studies, Black-ass feminism, and all the other things that keep and collect me, that hold me together, that are the, the materials of my binding. This episode, we're in the other things category. It's not going to be so much overt Black feminism or so much overt love studies, though we're coming right back to that. We are seeing the end of this season of Threadings where I was talking a whole lot about poverty, poverty policy, poverty formation in the United States and across the world, and why I really take issue with the idea that poor people cannot and should not be reproducing. I, as a poor of this earth, as a citizen of the world that belongs to us, thinks that we, I think, that we should always stop and contemplate whether poor people's suffering is poor people's fault. I wanted to take a lot of time to argue outside of that, and I did that while raising money to help pull my tribe, the Limbaugh tribe of Sierra Leone, up out of many, many, many generations of poverty. We bought agricultural infrastructure, and then we bought some economic infrastructure, or in the process of building economic infrastructure, with the money that I was able to raise leveraging my social media on TikTok and on Instagram, it's been a really wild ride. I have only been making content for one year. If I spoke to myself a year ago and said that this would happen, I would be like, I mean, I believe you. I don't see how, but I believe you. I wrote this essay to force myself to reflect on how much I've changed, even just over the short course of this fundraiser, this year that has already felt like a year in the last three months to tell you more a bit about why I fell off the face of the earth in March because working this hard and burning myself at both ends just kind of requires me to face plant at the end of all this and to tell you about what happens next so without further ado this is a one take reading of my essay entitled dinner with a capitalist in Amsterdam $115,000 and other things that changed my life This is an essay once entitled, Hope Keeps and Collects Me. I will never think this small again. And then here is me, in pictured with a big, bright red tractor that I went to see personally with my own eyes in Amsterdam that is getting on a cargo freight. It's getting shipped in a big old box to Sierra Leone this Friday. Hello. It is a Wednesday in March. I have emerged from moving, from graduating from the University of Chicago, from slamming face first into a comatose resting state that work like this requires of me. I have some reflections for you on the end of a three-month campaign to feed my family, the Limbaugh tribe of Sierra Leone. I mean, first, the big one. We bought the tractor, bitch! I would scream, I would scream. I'm not going to do that to Brandon, the sound engineer, but I would scream if I could. I have been waiting to put this piece out until I had shipment notification and this hole is getting on a cargo box this Friday. I could scream. (laughs) And I've wept like multiple times. I don't be crying like this, but I've just been crying the last like three months, crying on camera, crying off camera, crying with just like not even stressed, not worried. I was not stressed. I was not worried. I knew that we would end up at this point. I just couldn't have anticipated the journey there. Crying just out of sheer disbelief that this is my life. Like the peace I feel. 
I always thought that doing work like this was going to rob me of my peace, but the way I sleep good every night, knowing that I'm doing work that I want to be doing, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And as I am always in the habit of publicly thanking my teachers, thank you to my ancestors that have gone behind and before me. Thank you for my family here and there, for counseling me and encouraging me and mobilizing upon my behalf. I am so glad I didn't die as a teenager like I wanted to. Thank you to my father who organized the infrastructure of moving a massive piece of equipment across an ocean and through customs safely. And thank you to pass me, the self that existed in October of 2022 when my dad called me and asked me for $50,000 because that's really how this happened. I'm so, I'm, I swear, I was sitting in my car, right? I was sitting in Tanisha, dreading going inside my parents in between house because we were housing insecure at the time and we were staying with a lady from church and it was just like not an amazing situation to be in. I was eating my emotional support fries from In-N-Out in the middle of the night. I was thinking about how much sobriety sucks ass and how badly I want to go back to the club. And that man called me on some casual shit and was like, oh, I really need a tractor. Can you get me one? As if I can just do any fucking thing write a grant he said like he was asking me to pick up milk on my way home can you be for real (laughs) once you go to college african parents really think that you learned the ability to make money rain down from the heavens it's absurd i said i mean maybe lamanchalo i'm gonna need you to not you don't see me reading if you want to just come sit just say that but you don't have to do all this do something different come here do you want to come here what you can't do is claw the couch you see me recording just come here and sit. Petty for attitude for what? When all you wanted was cuddles. All right. Sorry. I, I'm not sorry. This is my baby and y'all will wait. Um, I decided <laughs> to test the waters with crowdsourcing because I, I'm not kidding. I was housing insecure at the time. We were all bordering on homeless. I left the club with no job prospects. I was almost graduated, but not quite. Like It was a level of economic desperation I have never encountered in my adult life. I left my lucrative job as a dancer to help my family avoid complete and total homelessness, right? I had this degree to get, I needed $6,000. And that's like almost an embarrassing amount to be in crisis about after being a dancer because $6,000 is like two, three weeks of work maximum. It could be one good night if the stars align. So I was just sitting there like, what am I gonna do? And I had recently been inspired by a mutual of mine asking for help and receiving it in full. It like, it really warmed my heart. It was just like, she's so lovely and so kind. So when she asked for help, I knew she was gonna get it, but she got it like fivefold what she needed. So I said, I mean, God, if you'll do it for her, you'll do it for me. I decided I would make one video asking for aid with my degree so I could at least begin to get a quote unquote real job. Hilarious. Side note, all my stripper research before I became a stripper was like, you're not going to be able to work a regular job after this. And I said, that's y'all. Me, I'm getting a professional degree, okay? I'm going to use it somehow. I'm I'm not worried. Cut to me starting two businesses, LOL. Um, I then received $17,000. I made one TikTok video asking for help and I received $17,000 from people sending me one, two, three dollars. I had no idea that y'all liked me enough to care significantly about my well-being. And I don't have words to tell you how deep I felt that seen and loved and cared for. I called my dad. 
I was like, I actually, I think I might be able to get you this money. You said 50,000, right? And he said, actually, we need a rice combination harvesters as well. So more like a hundred thousand. That cool? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Easy fucking peasy, right? Just like a nigga to keep you stressed for no reason. Anyways, <laughs> it was at that time I made my first, hey, so telling poor people that they shouldn't have kids is literally eugenics. And that got such an interesting internet reaction. I like, I'm not going to talk too much shit. I feel like I've talked enough shit, but oh my word, I was mad. I was mad, mad. I called him to complain at least twice in the same week and it was some thing rant like and another thing that kind of ranting that i i'm not gonna say what i wrote here but i do take a deep shot okay moving on it's one of those things it's like i have so much patience with the way that people talk to me on the internet because i could be getting wild but i regularly choose peace and i am peaceful i am not harmless if i wanted to weaponize a following against you i could i don't think that that's a correct thing to do and i think that i have a responsibility as someone who exists in public that has wide audiences that are predisposed to agree with my opinion i think that maybe i should just like you know take it easy sometimes but sometimes i'll be really thinking like i don't have to <laughs> i have different smoke when it comes from influencers creators or other people that have large platforms when they spew nonsense like i all bets are off for you so I was sitting here angry. I was calling people in my real life to complain, which is how you know that the internet got me fucked up because that rarely happens. I said, I said, daddy, daddy, everyone is telling me I don't know what I'm talking about because I grew up poor in the United States. So you grew up poor in these countries that these people are talking about. He was like, yes. I said, you grew up with no electricity, no running water. He was like, not even shoes for real. I said, yes. So at any point in time, were you like, I wish that I wasn't brought here. I wish I wasn't alive. And he said, not until I came to America. Huh. We sat in that silence for a second. And I asked him, do you think that they realize how many people would just die off if you could really like push a button and say anyone under a certain tax bracket can't have kids? He said, no, 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 they have no idea. I was going to leave it alone because it was like it is it is out of ignorance it's a dog whistle politic that's particularly pervasive because it is doing really it, it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the state for them i was gonna leave it alone i really was i have this masochistic urge to make the internet as hostile to me as possible for some reason like i pick the most like inflammatory truths to tell and then like die on a hill that nobody asked me to fight on it's weird i want to leave it behind me i just i wanted peace so i said all that to him and he was like so you're not gonna write that you're not gonna write the essay i said maybe one essay as a treat you know here we are three months six podcast essays 22 videos later we are here 119,532 dollars and 17 cents later abundance in full ordained blissful steps towards sovereignty this is my life this is the rest of my life i just didn't realize how much good i can do 
I didn't realize how much hope I can sow. I am on my hands and knees, planting the world I wish to see. Sailing towards the horizon, I can see it, I can see it in my mind's eye. A new world is coming like the dawn. I expected this very grand moment of triumph. When I was planning for this and preparing for this, I expected these moments where I felt the weight of my labor and was satisfied. I thought I would feel my success the way that my bag is full at the farmer's market, just heavy and bursting with the fruits of someone else's thoughts and plannings and prayers and actions. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Success is not a feeling. Gratefulness is. I posted the first fundraiser video on Instagram in December of 2022, unknowingly launching myself into Instagram virality. 2,000 followers to 50,000 followers in a handful of weeks was also nuts and just in general this whole ride with social media has been so wild and we're still just starting out but nevertheless i wrote this sentence in the caption this is the beginning of my life's work negro from your mouth to god's ears (laughs) at the time i didn't and i couldn't have realized how true that was and how foolish anticipating some big great oh my gosh i did it moment really was if there's so much to be done afterwards. Like, that's really what it felt like realizing that we hit the goal. It was gratefulness for what's been delivered to me, gratefulness that I had an ask answered, that my prayers are answered, but not surprise. Like, I don't bank on my own failure. I assumed I would be successful. What it really feels like is just more work. Like, it feels like a broader, clearer, steadier gaze on what comes next. I have taken my first step towards something marvelous and frightening. A life of forward movement, a life spent in public, a life of active, living hope in the face of outright evils. This is arguably one of the most difficult paths I could have chosen for myself. I just didn't know that anger and hope bloom in me the same way. I am angry and I am hopeful, and in this world, they really can't exist without one another. We do not have to trade ourselves and walk on like chickens to the slaughter while the elite destroy tomorrow for today's bread. If grief is the grease that has kept me burning alive, anger was the match to start the fire, and hope is the cool solve that burns just the same in its healing. You know when you get a burn and you first like put like aloe vera or ice or whatever on it and it like burns in a different way? Like that. Hope burns just as hard and it burns just as bright, but it con- it converts me into something new and it preserves me so that I can survive all this and grow and begin again like a phoenix doing it again and again and again. Let me tell you about this conversation I had that changed my life. Section two of the essay. Dinner with a capitalist in Amsterdam. Hold on, lemon get down. No, lemon get down. Do I need to come get you? Is this really how we're acting? You turn on one podcast recording and all of a sudden you have a rebellious teenager. Lemon. Child move. I'm asking you nicely and then I will dispose of you. Lemon get down. Thank you, I appreciate it. Absurd. I hope y'all can hear her arguing with me. She really backtalks me like she's 17. Dinner with the capitalist in Amsterdam. There's a very fun picture of me here 
zooted, accidentally wandering through the red light district, high as shit on the way back to my hotel in the middle of the night in Amsterdam. If you're not on the newsletter, you really should get your life. On February 7th, 2023, I was walking back to my hotel in the middle of the night, wandering through Amsterdam off an edible I made at a workshop earlier that day. I'd flown to Amsterdam in the middle of writing my thesis, which at that point felt more like writing my last will and fucking testament. (laughs) To look at and document and purchase a tractor for my tribe, Uh, but because I will enjoy myself and I am no such thing as all work and no play, I arranged an outing just one for me where I made edibles uh, with Amsterdam's famous legal weed, which actually, side note, that workshop was so informative on the illegal and the legal legs of the cannabis trade and import in the Netherlands. It's an entirely different essay. I'm just saying it's an essay I could write if people want to know. My partner for the workshop was called Oscar and he was from Mexico. He was such an easy person to work with that we grabbed dinner after the workshop and I had the most heavenly Turkish food that I've maybe ever experienced. I also had a quarter of a reasonably strong, allegedly, THC-laced brownie because I'm a child and I literally cannot stop eating my- I can't stop myself from eating a warm brownie even if I had no business being high. So we walked together to this Turkish restaurant, we eat a phenomenal array of bread and vegetables and we proceed to have a conversation that will stick with me forever. Oscar, I hope you see this one day. Thank you. Like you asked me questions that made me really think about why I believe what I believe. You made me want to sit and listen to you in full knowing that I would never return to the ideas that capitalism has you believe. Speaking to someone different than me after all these years of studying more radical politics helped me realize just how badly I want this world that I speak of and how much I'm willing to do to get it. You made me realize just how much my understandings of money and fair payment, of economic retribution and justice have changed as I bloomed into adulthood. You made me certain that there was no real choice under capitalism when the choices are participate or endure warfare from the state. And most importantly, You really helped me understand why I do what I do. Side note. This is one of the reasons I loved working in the club so much. Because you meet every kind of person in there. And you learn so much just from getting to talk to people and work alongside people that you never would have met otherwise. Even if you never agree. So we ended up talking about identity, Oscar and I. That usually comes up when I tell people that I'm in Amsterdam for a tractor and they're like, what do you mean you're here for a tractor? And I answer their questions from there. We discussed climate change and economic policy and the blockades on Cuba, on what veneration of elders looks like, on how many different kinds of ways we could and should compensate people for their labor. And we ended up at a conversation of the self with very familiar words, words I hear from everyone that likes how I talk but doesn't know how to get there, they say. You have great ideas, I just don't think they're likely to happen. And I give a great big negro sigh. Oscar's like, it's not that I don't hear you, I hear you. The thing is, why do I have to care? I'm like, what do you mean? Oscar's like, sure, yeah, I can see that this system has terrible roots, can many bad things happen and people still suffer and it's still bad, but like, I did not do any of that. I didn't make this up. I'm just trying to survive and provide for my family. And if this system allows me to do that, like, why can't I support it? I said, I'm not your mom. I can't tell you what you can and can't do. But I do believe that there are systems where you can support your family and it doesn't have to come with anyone's detriment. And Oscar was like, but I'll go crazy 
trying to think of something like that. Like you, you have all this responsibility for problems that you didn't create. Yup. And once you can't fix by yourself, yeah, that's correct. Yes. How do you bring yourself to sleep at night? And I was like, oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this is similar to what I asked my friend Jessica. Like, Jessica, you do a lot of community work, and it's the work that you do in your professional life, and it's the work you do in your personal life, and like, you are a pillar to your community even among your friends like what do you how do you do you be sleeping and she was like no i medicate i said oh shout out to the black girls that take their meds even and most especially if the medicine in question is weed okay we laugh i dip my bread in oil oscar's like you are a young person and you deserve peace and i say that's the thing right like i am young so even if i did not care and I thought I couldn't do anything about these problems and everything was hopeless, I still would not sleep well. To be young is to have no peace. The problems that we have are either here and I will deal with the consequences of them, or they're here and I am tasked to solve them. So we talk a little more about individual solutions. Well, why can't you personally just be wealthy and use your money to fix the problems? And I say, yeah, I plan to. That's the plan. And it's still not enough. Because individual solutions don't work for structural issues, but I digress. Philanthropy will not save us. It's only a good band-aid in the meantime. Oscar also hilariously works for TikTok. And he and I agreed that I will be good and famous one day. But back to the story. I said, just like really think about this with me. I don't know that I care at this point about what it is that I, in quotes, deserve. I know that I deserve goodness and I deserve peace and stuff like that, but for one, so does everyone. And two, there are some hellbent on providing themselves not just peace, not just sustainability, endless abundance at the cost of somebody else's peace. Deserving as a model is so slippery, it's a terrible North Star because you can rewrite who is deserving of what and when and how to suit your own needs. So like, where do we go from there? What do we owe each other, you and me? And then past that, even if you and I are just strangers having one dinner in a foreign country and we'll probably never see each other again, right? What do you owe the people that you do see? What do you owe your communities? I owe something to the communities that I was born into, the, the ones that raised me. And I know that not, every, not everybody feels that way. I don't need everybody to feel this way, but I do. There are so few of us, few few Sierra Leoneans that exist in general, right? We're a teeny country and we keep getting hit with catastrophe after catastrophe and so many of them are either directly the fault of or cc'd by imperialism. There are so few of us as it is, so few Sierra Leonean people make it to the world stage. There are, it just doesn't happen. This world we live in tries to kill us all the time. So how do I not bend the world stage to bless them? When they ushered me here and kept me like Moses on the river, I just, I can't focus on small. I don't think I can save the world. I just, I think I can save my world. And I think I can encourage other people to do what they can with what's right in front of them. And I don't actually need you to agree with me because you're not my target audience. And... My winning only makes your life better. All I need you to do is stay out of my way, right? Can you agree to that? And he nodded. I remember leaning in and asking him, 
Would you really feel all that differently if you were me? And he said, if I was you, no. Now I'm me, so I'll, I'll never feel that way. But if I was you, I'm certain I would think the same thing. Section three, the final section, entitled, On Not Really Being Human After All. Let me get some tea. I'm having this amazing lemongrass blend. Mm. Today, the day I'm writing this, is March 20th. It's the first day of spring. I went to the farmer's market and spent like $20 on a pound of these outrageously lovely mushrooms. They're huge and orange and delicious and they only come out when it rains like this. I miss the sun, but I too am in a season of drinking up the water. Abundance is everywhere. This podcast is called Threadings because I often return to, meditate on, think and write and talk about what is holding me together. The process of taking inventory of what binds me, what keeps me, and what collects me is fundamentally good for me. Review, study, and gratefulness. Review, study, and gratefulness. Review, study, and gratefulness of all the things that have got me in this world. The places where I am got. Y'all got me. It allows me to survive this world. Up until this place in my life, my adult years, I've been focused on learning how to not die. (laughs) So it's rather odd liking life, like not just loving it, not just being grateful, liking, liking my life. I am no longer bound by a persistent, reluctant call to endurance. The will to live used to permeate me like a fever I just could not break. I was angry enough with whatever was keeping me alive to just keep going. And I am still angry. I am just balanced and soothed with the peace that hope brings. I always get what I pray for. I know that we'll win. I won this round. I've won every day I stepped up to this plate. I know we'll win. I'm going to spoil the ending of this grand beginning for you. We buy the tractor. We build infrastructure for money making and keeping with the principles laid out by Marcus Garvey and by the indigenous communities we came from. We invest on the continent. We make it a place of home going and homecoming and home staying. We begin tomato farming. We lay the foundations for more economic growth, using colonizers' money to build bridges to a world beyond what we can quantify in a bank. When we sell things that belong to the people, and when what we make belongs to the people as well. I believe I will live to see a day when the diamonds of Sierra Leone are not known for the people that killed them, or the people that killed for them, but the worlds that we use to build. Today, today we learn to grow and sell tomatoes. All this time, I have been searching for something that I will never be, this elusive, perplexing idea of humanity. I have never felt human, not ever. My whole life was cycles of resentment in self-inventory, pricked by the way others often see me or choose not to see me. How fast they are to pedestalize me, how far I fall from expectations, the demonization of not being who anyone wants me to be, raising me back up onto the post to do it all again. How can people... How can my loved ones, like my intimate people, convince themselves of my grandeur when... 
and then be disappointed with me when I am in fact finite? How do I stop feeling owned by the hopes and the dreams of the expectations of others? I have spent my whole life just wanting to be small enough to curl up inside of my own chest. I never wanted notoriety or attention from the masses. I just wanted to be good enough. And I've only ever wanted to be like everybody else because I knew that I was. I am an ordinary person in extraordinary circumstances. Why couldn't anybody else see that? I am here in the beginning of the rest of my life understanding how doomed I was in these desires. I wanted something that was never meant for me in the first place because truly what did I want? Who is, in quotes, everybody else? A non-existent conglomerate of normal people that feel more peace in this society than I do? Okay, well then, what is normal? And how does normal even serve me in a society founded on slow and fast genocides? What even is human at this point? Well, what is humanity if not the want to search for something? I am here in the spring and I am searching for a life where we all sit in a sweet breeze and think heaven and earth were still alive. I am searching for a world where hope does not grow stubbornly up through the cracks in the asphalt, but blooms unmitigated everywhere, dropping fruit on our heads, easily ripe, sweet like the breeze. When I find what I am looking for, we will be living in a new world, and I will gaze at my hands and feet from a place of rest and respite and realize that I was never only human. We were never so small, not one of us. I am now in the spring of my life. I am threaded together by hope. Ismatu Gwendolyn. P.S. The passenger bus is still very much a thing. It just takes a lot more infrastructure. Registering a business in Sierra Leone, that means I need accountants and lawyers, profit projections, organization amongst lots of different kinds of people, sellers, shippers, mechanics, people at customs. Like, it takes a second. I'm working on it. When I have updates, I will come to you. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your belief in me. Thank you for your dollars. Thank you for your listens and your shares and you being willing to learn with me on what I know is a hard sell. Thank you. Like always, I hope that the work of your day passes through your hands with ease. Until next time. <laughs>